This is Fathering Episode 2 with Jack Eason. Well, Jack, it is great to have you here on the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, good to be with you, Mark. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. I, I, I've known you for a few years now, not specifically as a dad, but as uh, uh, you help us with our fundraisers at the radio station. And so I, I get to see you uh, a couple times a year and you just help us share stories. And today I want to share your story. Ah, cool. <laughs> so uh, you do a million things. You help us with fundraising. Uh, most recently, you've, you're an author. That's pretty cool. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And, th- and this book, you can't color in it. So I guess it's a real book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wrote a book called The Loneliness Solution, which is so timely for the, the year that we've had in, in 2020 and, and going into 2021. Um, you've also got the Jack Eason podcast, which is uh, sort of, uh, I would say it's like a companion to your book. Would you say that? Yeah, we talk about uh, loneliness issues and finding real community. That's awesome. You're also a missionary with the Crossover Cups mission. Uh, I sneaked, uh, I did a little bit of sneaky side work and it says that you're the executive stateside director. That's a fancy way of saying I'm the chief bottle washer and resident custodian. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, I've, I've gotten to go on a missions trip with you to the Dominican Republic, and it was definitely uh, life-changing for me. And um, I, I, I love the work that you're doing down there. So thank, thank you for, for doing that. Well, thank you. Thanks for going with us, too. God's doing some some pretty awesome things. Uh, of course, he's doing awesome things around the world, but uh, we're grateful to see what he does in the Dominican Republic. Mm. Well, we're here to talk about your kids and more specifically how great of a job you did with them. Um, <laughs> tell me about your kids, Jack. All the positive stuff probably gets credit credit to my wife. Okay. I don't know if I get any credit. You're off to a good uh, start. <laughs> so there we go. So that's throw that in there. So all the dads can learn from thanking their, their spouse. No, uh, I've got two kids. The oldest is uh, just graduated from the College of Charleston and uh, and is thinking about law school, just got accepted to law school, Lauren. So he's 22. And then uh, my son is 19, so he is uh, in the second of his virtual college years hmm. and, uh, it, and is, is doing well. They, they both are great. They make mom and dad proud. Oh, what's your son's name? Will. Will. Where there's a will, there's a way. There is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you've just gotten out of the high school phase and part of the college phase. So you've been doing this for a little bit of time. One of the things that inspired me to, to give you a call and ask you, you know, kind of how about how you lead your kids in, in, in fathering uh, is you have this awesome story about taking your son, Will, on a missions trip and, and how it affected him. Could you share that story? Uh, yeah. Um, y- you know, I, I, I didn't know the, the lessons that would be learned uh, on that mission trip, actually to the Dominican Republic. Um, but I just thought, hey, I'm going down. I want to in- include my kids and my family. So we, we jumped on the plane and with, uh, I guess, about 10 or 11 other people went down with us. And uh, my son was nine, I think, at the time. Uh, Will was nine. Lauren was 11. And, um, 
you know, when, when you, you you know this, Mark, because you, you've seen it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you go to the third world, you see a lot of different things, and especially when you're that age, uh, your senses are maybe more highly alert than they would otherwise be. So um, they, they saw everything that, again, you've, you've seen in that village. Uh, our village is there in the Dominican Republic. They saw poverty at a level they've never seen it. Um, they saw kids ravaging through the garbage dump like they'd never seen before. And so it was uh, it was an emotional trip for them, for all of us. It, it is every time we go. But uh, long story short, we had a great week. We got back home, and we're kind of talking about, you know, that night at dinner, some of the things we had experienced. And my son came down a little bit later after dinner was over, told my wife and I, Lynette, he said, hey, Mom, Dad, need to have, we need to have a family meeting. We need to have a family meeting. I thought, okay, wow, who are you? This, this nine-year-old is calling a family meeting. Let's see what's up. <laughs> And so we sat down with him, and he said, I want to get rid of everything in my room. And we were like, okay, what's, uh, what's <laughs> up with that? You're wanting to get rid of everything in your room. And he said, well, I, I saw what the kids in the Dominican don't have, and the reality is I don't need most of what's in my room. Hmm. And so he said, you know, they don't have a nightstand. I, don't, I can just lay my stuff on the floor. They don't have a chest of drawers. I can just hang up all my clothes in the closet. I've got a closet, Dad. i got a closet. So finally, um, you know, we said, well, tell you what, you go to bed and let us think about it and we'll talk in the morning. So we went to bed and Lynette and I were like, okay, what, what are we, what are we going to say? How are we going to answer, how are we going to answer this? Uh, you, you pray your kids hear the voice of God and then when God starts working in their life, then you, and you start going, okay, wow. Mm. So basically what we decided, he came down the next morning and said, okay, you know, what, what mom, dad, what'd you decide? And, and what we decided was, uh, you know, you're you're in the third grade. You have to get a good night's sleep. Um, so, but if you want to get rid of everything else in your room, then that's fine. But you have to keep your bed. You got to keep your bed. And that was uh, ten years ago. And the only thing still in his bedroom is his bed. So, uh, pretty crazy. He just learned, I guess. You know, uh, hopefully, it seems like uh, what's really essential. And necessary, and what are those things that really we we think we need, but are really a, maybe a luxury? Mm. Now, does he have like a, another room somewhere if it stuff's piling up, or is he like continued to just have like no? It's, stuff? it's surprisingly, it's it really is just the bed. Uh, he has hangers, and he has most of the stuff hanging in his closet. Uh, even his socks, hmm. you know, are hung over the the bottom part of the hanger, and <laughs> um, and he's he's pretty content. So. Wow. That's, I, I don't know. I just think about myself in third grade and I was just obsessed with toys and video games. And, and that's, uh, that's a tough age to, to come to yeah, that realization. And that's just really cool uh, that you got to lead him there, you know, by taking him on that trip. And, uh, again, I, I'm not that brilliant. I think <laughs> God deserves most of the credit, just teaching him and allowing him to see what he saw. Hmm. But, I mean, you really do seem to be Like you get the idea of, you know, bringing your kids along, like, like the ministry uh, of helping your kids know Jesus better is just by letting them see you and what you're doing. Is that fair to say? Uh, I would say I've learned it. I didn't, I honestly, uh, you know, I I didn't do a good job of that. Probably the first, uh, wow, probably the first 10 years Hmm. of being married. You know, Lynette and I had kids a couple years after we were married because we got married older and we were ready to have kids. 
so uh, I was 30. She was she was 30, and I was doing a lot of, as you know, you know, I, I travel a lot, but I was doing a lot more traveling. Surprisingly, even then in my 30s, did a lot of itinerant ministry and traveling with a music group, and so. I, I I really she she would say my wife would say and, and you know we're, we're we've processed through all this <laughs> but she would say you know you were you were a, you were an absent dad a lot of the time hmm. um, because I was so busy and and I think for new dads that's that's a struggle because you know part of your responsibility is to provide for your family mm-hmm. and so I felt like okay I've got the weight of that responsibility and then it and what God had called me to do at the time took me away from home a lot. And then the flip side is I'm also called to be a dad. So, okay, how do you, there's only, only so many hours in the day. How do you do all of it? Yeah. Um, and so to young dads, I would say, you know, uh, I, I understand your pain if that's something that you're working through. Uh, but, but I probably erred on the side of worrying more about the money than the relationships hmm. um, with the kids. Because um, you, can't, you can't be a good dad if you're not present. Hmm. You, you can't. Um, and, and by present, I mean not just physically present, but mentally present. So there were sometimes, even even there during those early years, and sometimes even now, uh, but more more during those earlier years where I was maybe physically present, but my mind was uh, was elsewhere, and the kids were easier to appease and and take care of and occupy their time and throw in a video or pop up a video on television and sit there and watch it. And then when they would get consumed with that, I would go back to whatever I thought was important, you know, work or whatever, laptop or whatever it might be. You lose the, the ability to have an impact if you're not present, both physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things. So, uh, so I'm learning for sure. <laughs> You got arrows shot at me just then. <laughs> we, uh, I'm sorry. We, we so easily will will throw on, uh, you know, a kids show just to just so that we can have our own mental space. And I, I think we probably do that a little more than we should. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with doing that occasionally. Hey, we all we all need that. But I I think uh, I love technology and all that kinds of stuff. And I think for me, it's an easy default. Mm-hmm. So hey, I need an hour here. So let's when the kids are younger, I need an hour here. So let's throw in the video or you know audio or give them a digital game to play with. And what I would say now, again, if I could have those years back, I don't look back with a lot of regret. But if I could have some of those years back, it would be, wow, why why didn't I go for a walk with them, hmm. or just have a conversation with them, or go outside, or read a book, or ask questions. You know, just being more intentional. Uh, listen, listen to uh, some great music together. You know, I, I don't know anything besides let let the digital um, devices even then uh, keep them occupied. So you know, yeah, you, you learn. Hopefully, were there things that that made you an absent dad that you didn't realize at the time, but but you realize now? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I mean well, you, you don't know that. There's this saying. I don't know who said it, but they they. They don't. They should probably be hung up to dry. It's not quantity time; it's quality time. That mm-hmm. sounds real good in theory. The problem is you just don't know when the quality time is going to happen. Hmm. So you have to put in quantity because you don't know when the quality time is going to happen, especially with kids, because they don't operate with the same intentionality uh, that we as adults should. So if you sit down thinking, okay, we're going to take this next 30 minutes. We're going to talk about the major things of life that are so important. 
And they're like, no, dad, I'm just going to sit here and pick at this chocolate chip cookie and pull the chocolate chips out of the cookie. That's what I'm going to do. Um, that's important to me. Then you don't get to maybe have, and, and even that could be a quality moment. Mm. But um, the, the problem with thinking is just quality, not quantity, is it gives us an excuse, especially as guys, we operate differently than moms. But it gives us an excuse to go, well, I had one quality hour this week with the kids. Well, our kids need a lot more than that. I, I think for me, what I what I learned and I'm still learning, and, and you, you know me mm-hmm. now, um, I might chuckle when I say this, but it's trying to do less. I'm, I'm an overachiever guy, and so there's sometimes where I think I've got to do everything on my list and the reality is a lot of things on my list I could take off and move to tomorrow, maybe even move to next week and replace some of that time with e- even now spending with family, spending with the kids. If you don't put into your calendar, and I use a digital calendar, if I don't put in there buffers of time to do things like that, then the world will dictate my schedule. Hmm. And the world will plan my life instead of me grabbing my life and saying, no, I'm going to schedule my life. And so I've learned that I have to put time in there. I'm going to go to lunch with Lauren on Monday, or Lynette and I are going to do this, or Will and I are going to do this. Uh, And if I don't do it, then somebody else is going to steal my time away. Hmm. You reminded me of a a quote somebody said was, uh, if you don't pay attention to the little things when your kids are little, they're not going to tell you the big things when they're big. Mm, Because when they were little... Everything was big. Yeah. And that chocolate chip cookie (laughs) is a big deal at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're right. And and the other other saying is you you spell love T-I-M-E. Yep. So, you know, we have to make, put time into our schedule to be a good dad. I I, I think for me, one of the things marriage does is too, but but being a dad, maybe even more so, is it it reminds uh, me of how selfish I am hmm. because especially with kids and again, Mary, you know, your spouse too, but especially with kids cause they're young and sometimes a little more demanding. It reminds me of how selfish I am and that really I need to be putting their interest first. And there's a balance. Sometimes I, I mean, I know, I know there's some married friends of, of Lynette and I that their kids run the show and because <laughs> they are spending so much time and money and energy on their kids, then their marriage is, you know, falters because they don't spend time with each other. So there, there is a balance. Mm. But uh, most of us as dads tend to err on the side of, of not putting the interest of our kids uh, high enough on the list. So, Bill, when I told Bill that you were going to be on the podcast, he said, make sure you ask Jack about his daughter Lauren with the girls in the dump. It's re- uh, referring to a Dominican mission trip. Could you share uh, that story with us? Yeah. I mean, again, our kids are, that's a lot of our, still is a lot of our life, but in those teenage, pre-teenage years and teenage years was a lot of our life. And um, uh, actually the first, on the same trip where Will came home called the family meeting, Lauren was, was obviously on that trip too. And uh, we were in the garbage dump serving the families and a lot of the kids that live there. Uh, with uh, bananas and water and soup, peanut butter sandwiches. And Mark, you've done that with us. And and, and she was uh, 11. And I look over after we're through with the feeding and she has found a paint bucket that she's pulled out of the garbage dump. And she's sitting on the ground with some sticks that she found. And she's kind of playing, playing the paint bucket like a drum. 
And there's this group of little girls who are uh, ravaging in the garbage dump as well who are sitting beside her, and they're, they're humming a tune that they're making up, and Lauren's wailing away with these two sticks on this paint bucket. <laughs> and, of course, most of the kids, again, you, you know this, they might have flip-flops if they're lucky, but a lot of them are barefoot. And so we get through with our feeding, and we're loading up the truck to leave, and we're pulling away. And, of course, the dust is kind of billowing behind the truck. And I look over at one of our team members who went with me on that first trip, uh, my friend Tammy, and she is just boo-hooing. I mean, the tears are streaming down her face, and I'm looking at her like, you know, I know it's emotional, what's, what's wrong? And we're kind of having all this eye communication go back and forth. And she looks to, to my right and looks kind of on the floorboard of this big truck that we're riding in, the back of this long bed pickup truck with these benches in it. And I'm getting it. Okay, she wants me to look down a couple people and look toward the floor. And so I look down and, and two people over, it's my daughter. And I look down and I see her shoes are gone. Mm. And I look in the dust of the truck behind me and I see the little girl she was, had been sitting there playing the paint can with with a big smile on her face, waving in the dust. And I look down at, at her feet, and she's got my daughter's shoes on her feet. Wow. And um, again, just a powerful moment where she realized and decided this little girl needed her shoes more than she needed her shoes. And, uh, you know, powerful experience for her. But for me as well, she was just reminding me, just just the innocence of, of kids. It was pretty, pretty moving. Mm-hmm. Well, it's obviously a response to, to how she sees, you know, how, how she's being taught and led. And I mean, that giving the shoes off of your feet is a very biblical principle. Um, how, how did you guys bring Jesus into your home? Ah, that's a great question. I, I, I would love to have a profound <laughs> answer for you. Um, I don't have one. I, I think it's just, you know, um, of course, Lynette and I know the Lord, and and hopefully we feel like our marriage is founded on on Him, uh, not that we've got a perfect marriage by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, our, our kids, even during those early years where I talked about being absent, mm-hmm. there there were the times where they would go with me on the road, and you know, I've got a, a picture here in my office of. Uh, of Lauren, I'm I'm playing the guitar. I'm trying to remember some youth camp, and she's probably six, and she had come up on stage in the middle of a worship set. She'd gotten away from Lynette, I think, and she'd run up on the steps just to give me a kiss. <laughs> and so my wife kind of caught this picture of me bending over to give her a kiss, and you know she she heard, and so did Will uh, during all those times we're doing a, a itinerant ministry and traveling. They were around uh, people who were worshiping and uh, seeing Jesus work in their lives in a lot of camps, camp ministry, uh, youth camps that I did. They would see God show up in powerful ways. And, and so I, th- I, I hope and I believe, I think they, they realize, wow, God is really real and he can do something incredible in my life if I'm just open to him. Hmm. So... That's been the fortunate side of, of their upbringing and, and my crazy calling on my life, how God's used that to, to minister to them and, and teach them. Mm. I assume you guys went to church on a weekly basis, probably? Yeah. When, when I wasn't traveling, we had a home church that we would plug into. And then, you know, I was on church staff even for, for 
uh, and there's pros and cons of that too. I was on church staff for a number of years, worship pastor and student pastor. And of course, in those years, they they were there every Sunday because Dad was paid to be there every Sunday. <laughs> uh, and there's some the negatives to that. For, uh, there's some negatives to that for those of you who maybe are preachers' kids listening. But they they didn't they did they turned out well even even because of all that. So yeah, so we were plugged in, and then when I wasn't even on church staff, we we were plugged in pretty consistently. I I, I think they realized the value, at least I hope, and it seems like it. They have really re- realized the value of of community, and that um, the power of community and how God intended for us to operate with community, and so they're you know they're that age now where statistically and historically. Uh, you know, college and post-college age where it would be easy to dwindle away. Uh, of course, Will's still living at home because of virtual college stuff, but uh, Lauren is, you know, uh, out on her own and getting ready to move to law school, and she she found a uh, church family to plug into uh, here in our city. Um, it's not where mom and dad are, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. So I was proud of her for that. So that hopefully gives me some encouragement that, wow, they really did learn the value of, of community early on. Yeah, that's great. I, I feel like that's uh, something that parents just hope, hope, hope for when their kids go off to college, that that because mom and dad's church is, is you know, far away, and you just hope that they decide to plug in somewhere and, and continue with a church. Yeah. Well, I, I think I would say to young young dads, that's where you have to be intentional because it's difficult. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are young dads, especially if you have multiple kids who are young, uh, and especially now with where we are, uh, you know, while you and I are talking today, we're kind of, I, I hope and believe we're coming out on the other side of the pandemic, but it's, it's easy just to wake up on Sunday morning and go, ah, it's too much of a hassle, I'm not going. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and even with technology, you know, live streaming and virtual is great, but that doesn't give your kids the f- the real atmosphere that that I think is biblical, and mm. that's that's community. So we we have some hurdles and not some obstacles in front of us, even as dads right now, because of COVID, because of technology, and oh, we can watch it online. Uh, sure, you can, but are your kids going to get the benefit of community? And and you have to start young. Um, the longer you wait the harder it's going to get. So I think that is, you're right. That's real important. (laughs) If I can be honest, there have been like, even the, the reverence for church, like, like pausing your life to, to worship before the sermon, you know, the church will start and there'll still be eggs on the skillet. Ah, we can miss the first song. It's fine. Well, (laughs) 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 so yeah, it's, I didn't even think about how, I mean, cause I have a, a one and a half year old, so like she's not necessarily seeing, you know, like an older kid would, but, mm. but yeah, we've definitely got to be practicing, you know, we got to show up. So hopefully yeah. one day they show up. Yeah. Well, and, th- and there's some, not to get all psychological and theoretical, but it, it's, it's interesting because in North America, you know, for the longest amount of time, we, we have tended to say by our actions, whether we believe this or not, I'm not sure, but we've tended to say by our actions that moms are important, and we know that they are, but dads, you know, are, are as long as we're sensitive and, and we're caring and, you know, we're, we're, we're okay. Our, our most important job has kind of been seen as, you know, like, like I thought my first decade of being married is just supporting the mom and, and making the money and 
Um, but uh, if you if you look at studies that have come out in recent years, you know they, they will tell you and say even babies uh, with emotionally engaged dads are showing better development hmm. as toddlers and as they grow up because they were engaged with their dads who behaved, you know, with them and interacted with them and weren't detached. Hmm. So, you know, science is proving this, and the Bible tells us this. We're, we're a little slow to believe it maybe sometimes, but our, our role as a dad is extremely, extremely important. Hmm. That's amazing. Uh, just something I'm still learning uh, being being a dad now for 22 years, something I'm still learning, and I, I said it earlier, and, and maybe this is just a reminder for myself, but it is it's this: be present, be present, be fully engaged, uh, emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually, and yes, physically. Not just be engaged physically, but the rest of yourself be wandering off in another world uh, because you're. Your children need all of you, uh, and as a dad, you have a lot of a lot of gifts and a lot of a lot of the way God has wired you that will help them grow, and uh, they deserve a hundred percent. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Fathering. If you want more information about Jack and the work that he's doing, I'll have some links in the show notes. Also, if you have any ideas or questions about the podcast, be sure to reach out. Podcast at 887thebridge.com is the email. And that goes to a lot of our podcasts. So be sure to mention that you're referring to fathering. And remember, don't just keep your kids alive, but help them thrive. And until next time, I'm Mark Dickey. Thanks for joining me on Fathering.